Krulowicz, and welcome to Moving Block, a podcast about cities, transportation, and anything else on my mind. You can subscribe to my show on iTunes by typing in Moving Block into the search field. This podcast is also available on SoundCloud and TuneIn. Have you ever wondered why Penn Station is so crowded and overrun with people? Today's guest, Jim Venturi, director of Rethink Studio, explains his group's plans to reshape Penn Station and the region. His bold ideas have been a springboard for a region-wide discussion on how best to utilize Penn Station, considering its age and capacity issues. Without further ado, Jim Venturi. You were working in IT for a period of time and then decided to get involved in urban planning. What made you uh, transition? Um, Well, in between that, I've been working on a film on my parents who are architects. And before IT, uh, my mother taught me regional planning as a child, simply because she can't help it and that's who she is. Uh, So I've always been interested in cities. Uh, Systems permeates both IT and, uh, and planning. And thinking about these things together has been a great joy. The documentary on my parents gave me an architectural education that was quite valuable. And before my IT career, or during it, I had worked in architecture offices working uh, alongside architects on large-scale plants, albeit in a very junior role. So it's not something new. Jim's being quite modest. His father's a, quite, a, quite a famous architect, um, Robert Venturi. So did he have an influence on you when you were growing up and you know how him and his wife or your mother uh, you know influenced you? Well my mother Denise Scott Brown uh, had studied at Penn in the 1950s she went there to uh, study planning and architecture um, she had been with an illustrious group of people um, there and, uh, and people like Russell Acoff who is really an amazing person uh, as an organizational the- uh, theorist um, and Aldo Van Eyck and, and many others. So it was a sort of yeasty time at, at Penn then. And so regional science isn't taught anymore. And planning has education has really been caught up in either regulations or prettification. So we're, we're practicing something that's really not taught in schools. And my mother really had the greatest influence on me in that. And they were, I guess, of the Ed Bacon era in Philadelphia? Sure, sure. Uh, My mother and father both worked, uh, although led by my mother, uh, as advocacy planners to stop the South Street Expressway, which was being promoted by Ed Bacon and others in the city. And that would have really had a a terrible impact on the city akin to some of the uh, expressways that were proposed uh, and pushed forward by Robert Moses in Manhattan at that time. How did Rethink Studio start? What was the genesis of it? Uh, so we started Rethink Studio in August of 2014. So it was about three years ago. And it really came out of the development of the Rethink NYC plan, which was a new way of seeing New York. And there, I was seeing all of these plans that were thought of separately, such as the airport and then the need for social justice at Rikers, Penn Station, and then later other plans, um, such as the Second Avenue subway and uh, Amtrak's gateway proposal. And they were thought of very narrowly. 
And we realized there was an opportunity and a need for a new approach to the region that was for the post-Moses era, where we weren't, where it wasn't predicated on the dominance of the automobile outside of Manhattan. And in thinking about it, we realized that all of the plans that were out there had this premise in mind, that the primary way people get around outside Manhattan is their car, which is just a fact. But the new plans would continue that status quo and solidify that in such a way that we really saw as out of date and obsolete and really not good socially, economically, infrastructurally, and uh, because of the political stasis. Can you describe what the Regional Unified Network, also known as RUN, is and how that came about? So presently, there are nine systems that operate to get people basically into Manhattan in the New York City area. Um, They include New Jersey Transit, Metro North, Long Island Railroad, Amtrak, the railroads. Um, People use buses to get into the Port Authority bus terminal from New Jersey more than they use the train, so that's a major network. Uh, Then you have the subways, the MTA and PATH, and you also have the Hudson Bergen Light Rail. And for New Jersey Transit, they also have the Hoboken Division. So these are nine different systems, and they don't really talk to each other very well. And so what RUN does is it uses through running, which is a much better approach than terminals, through Penn Station, meaning the trains don't all collide and end at Penn Station, but run through, as a means of which to unify the region's transportation system. Once it's unified, you have the alternative of being able to get around the region much more easily via mass transit because the system will be designed to do just that. Presently, it's not designed to do just that, and it's very difficult to get around the region by mass transit. This would bring us up to the standards of other global cities. Presently, planners in the New York area compare New York to other cities in the country. I've heard people who've had long careers at Amtrak seeing New York in the context of Chicago or Washington, D.C., or things of that sort, rather than seeing us in the context of London or Paris or Berlin. So there's a big plan right now being discussed uh, called the Gateway Plan, uh, which is to build two new tunnels into um, Penn Station and expand Penn Station. Uh, Can you describe how your proposal would be different from this? So our proposal is really based on the first phase of the Gateway Plan. The Gateway Plan brings the sort of two-track bottleneck that exists after Newark before Penn Station up to four tracks. This creates what we call the New York trunk line, which is the foundation of run, making it possible to run trains through Penn Station. Um, And so run is really based on the opportunity that Gateway provides. But because Gateway has been thought about narrowly um, and only in terms of solving an immediate problem rather than more broadly the way Crossrail in London has been thought about. It really has a very narrow scope, yet it has a cost that's equivalent to London's Crossrail. So what we're really doing is kind of allowing Gateway to become its true self. And we're doing this by proposing to operate Penn as a full through station where all of the trains run through with 
passengers continuing on to stations in Queens and the Bronx and also in the other side to Secaucus, New Jersey. The difference is that the phase two of Gateway is proposing a new terminal south of Penn Station called Penn Station South. Um, we see this as a very bad idea, uh, in part because it costs an extra $8 billion, which could be used to create a through-running opportunity, which would obviate the need for it, in part because it demolishes an entire city block, including a, uh, a very important historical church by the architect Napoleon Lebrun from 1871 that um, is very beautiful. And so it's, it's really a question of whose city is it. Are we trying to create a city where real estate gets more expensive in Manhattan, people have to move out, and when they move out, they're forced to drive cars because public transit isn't good enough and they can't afford to be around public transit? Or are we trying to create a city where everybody has access to public transit? So what you're saying is um, there would be through running, so if you lived in Trenton, you could take a train up to Poughkeepsie or something like that without, without a transfer? Yeah, so I think it's really important to understand this. It's difficult without visuals to, to see it, but basically a, a terminal is the last stop on the train. It's a station where the train terminates. Like Grand Central Terminal. Like Grand Central Terminal. And so that can work, uh, but they should be usually much larger than Penn Station, such as Grand Central, which has 67 tracks. Penn Station has 21 tracks and far more lines in it. It's not really working very well as a terminal, but it could work quite well as a through station. Uh, and our plan would do just that. We would widen the platforms, and because it was a through station, it would need fewer tracks. So the opportunity to widen the platforms comes from it having few, need, needing fewer tracks. So it works synergistically. Uh, and in doing so, we can deal with the real bottleneck of the station, which is the amount of passenger capacity that we have both on the platforms and on the escalators and stairs. So you described covering up tracks and widening certain platforms at Penn Station. How would capacity be higher if you end up covering over tracks that are currently in use? Well, Penn Station right now is very inefficiently used. You have trains dwelling there for 18 to 20 minutes. This is mostly because it's the last stop on the line terminal. Um, when they leave, trains have to cross each other. It makes it a very slow operation. Trains typically travel five miles an hour through the station because of the risks associated with trains crashing as they can cross each other. It doesn't have to be this way. We can have trains traveling faster through the station stopping much less time on the platform and in doing so we can greatly increase the capacity but the problem is that the number of people getting off of a double-decker new jersey transit train there's 140 people on those trains to get those people off the bottleneck becomes the platform width and getting them up the escalators and stairs so when you're running through you don't need for the train to dwell that long therefore you can get by with through a track fewer tracks the plan that we have would reduce the number of tracks from 12, 21 to 12. And to give you a sense of that, uh, another station in Paris, Châtelet, uh, has four tracks going in and out, which a future Penn Station would have. And they have seven platform tracks. So 
we feel that 12, based on our math and based on our, our analysis, will be more than enough to be able to handle uh, the loads that we can, that the tunnels would provide at Penn Station. So the bottleneck would be the tunnels, not the number of tracks in the station. Are there any other examples of regions or cities that had um, something like this and converted it into a through-running type service that you're describing? Well, the one that's most notable in North America is where I grew up in Philadelphia, uh, where there were two different systems, run, one run by the Pennsylvania Railroad and one run by the Reading. Um, when the local transit agency, SEPTA, took over, there was no need to operate them as two different systems. And they built a tunnel, the Center City Tunnel, that uh, bypassed Reading Terminal and connected to a suburban station, which became transitioned from a station, from a terminal to a station. And that um, increased efficiency in that station, in suburban station, greatly. Uh, so it was a, just a far more efficient use. Uh, outside of the U.S., nearly every major European city has done just this. And London presently is finishing their crossrail plan, uh, which would divert trains from Paddington Terminal uh, and tr other terminals uh, for lines coming from the east, connecting them together, uh, which would connect these train lines more easily to the uh, Heathrow Express to get to the airport, as well as to other business areas uh, such as uh, the Canary Wharf and the Docklands. Um, and it, it really creates tremendous opportunities for London. In addition, the new tunnels would connect to the uh, existing transportation system, the tube, through a series of new stations. Our project would do something very similar, creating new subway connections uh, and local connections at Secaucus as well as a new station at Queen's Plaza, which would connect to seven subway lines there, and a new station in Port Morris, the Bronx, which would connect to an extended Second Avenue subway. Would Madison Square Garden need to be demolished to accommodate this plan? Uh, our plan doesn't require any removal of Madison Square Garden. Although we're for the idea, uh, we don't think it's, we think it's very important that that's not a prerequisite because the chance of it happening are low and the need for improving our transportation system is high. I think our plan differs very much with many of the other plans for Penn Station in that we actually are addressing the fundamental transportation issues affecting the station rather than focusing on the architecture. Yeah, it just seems like there's been so many plans sent around that deal with the architecture uh, most notably Vishan Chakrabarti's Penn Station plan where they take basically just the skeleton of the structure and have it as an open-air thing, which looks great and is wonderful, but doesn't exactly address the core issue, which is the track capacity and, and overcrowding and, and that sort of stuff. Even if you don't uh, remove Madison Square Garden, some type of reformatting underground has to be done to harmonize the station. I mean, it's three kind of separate disjointed waiting areas and terminals, whether it's LIR or, Metro, or LIR or um, New Jersey Transit or what have you, and Amtrak. So something has to be architecturally underground to harmonize that, right? I think that the, one of the biggest problems is the amount of vertical circulation. Uh, what's called central corridor uh, 
which links tracks 13 through 21 of Long Island Railroad and some New Jersey Transit, um, is only goes for 13 and 21 basically, and uh, tracks uh, 5 through 12 don't have this vertical circulation. Uh, a lot of the space is taken up by locker rooms and other things. So being able to increase act vertical circulation access to the lowered number tracks, in addition to adding uh, escalators and stairs uh, next to the existing escalators and stairs to provide more vertical circulation, I think is, is critical. Um, adding more waiting room space to further reduce the bottleneck, because as you solve the problem on the platform and the vertical circulation level, you then also have waiting room area. Where do Any, they go? Yeah. Anyone who's been in the New Jersey Transit waiting area knows this problem and the, uh, the sort of mosh pits that you're sent into through the escalators. So clearly there's a need associated with more capacity. In terms of unification, I think the idea of joint ticketing uh, would would solve a lot of that. In other words, they don't necessarily have to be branded Long Island Railroad and New Jersey Transit. More and more people are using their iPhones to pay. Um, so I think that's less important in terms of who whose service you're waiting for. Really, the tracks you're on are going to be based on the direction that you're going. Uh, if you're on the lower tracks, you'd be heading to Queens. If you're on the higher tracks, you're heading towards New Jersey in our plan. And so therefore, the carriers become less important. There are a lot of plans right now about uh, rebuilding the Port Authority bus terminal. How does RUN address bus capacity issues uh, at the Port Authority? I think the, the real question with buses is not just at the Port Authority. Uh, the question with buses uh, has to do also with the helix going into the Lincoln Tunnel the Lincoln Tunnel capacity, and then, of course, the Port Authority itself. Um, Professor Vukan Vucic, who is a very esteemed transportation planner who has been advising us to support our plan, uh, takes his student or has took his students to the Lincoln Tunnel to show them a bad transportation plan. So there's a better solution. It involves keeping Port Authority buses for people who have very quick access to the Lincoln Tunnel, but people in places like Monmouth, Ocean, Middlesex counties, and other places further away that are presently passing Secaucus Junction Station on the New Jersey Turnpike and others that can get there quickly, we propose extending the 7 train that many of others proposed as well to Secaucus and have a, a, a substantial portion of the capacity at Secaucus. This would make the bus riders in Bergen County going into Port Authority have less traffic, more access, not only in the morning but the afternoon when there isn't an exclusive bus lane um, where the traffic is much, much worse. So uh, solving it, solving these problems doesn't involve a single solution. It involves thinking about a system holistically and coming together. One of the benefits of the bus station in Secaucus means that not only do you have access to New York very quickly and faster than you would otherwise, because you're not in the traffic uh, at, the, at the helix leading into the Lincoln Tunnel, which often is 20 minutes or more, there's often accidents, 
Uh, so you're avoiding that, but you're also getting access to the entire region's transportation network. Because our proposal for through running would bring Long Island Railroad and Metro North trains there, you could have an access to jobs in Long Island or in Westchester or Connecticut very easily. Uh, in addition, because we would connect the subway service there, the PATH and um, um, the and the 7, as well as the Hudson Bergen Light Rail, all the places those networks go to would provide access. So for example, you could be within range of the, the bus and let's say want to work in Jersey City. You could jump on a PATH train there, get off at Exchange Place, and get there. That provides tremendous opportunity to uh, development in Jersey City. This in turn provides more tax dollars to people in New Jersey from corporate taxes, which would take pressure off of local real estate taxes. Uh, so by solving these problems holistically and thinking about them together, everybody wins. How does RUN address the different ways LIRR, Metro North, and New Jersey Transit take electricity from the third rail? People are often dismissive of these differences of infrastructure and say, well, it can be solved by buying new trains and this kind of thing. Well, trains have a life of 40 years or more in some cases. So buying new trains is a solution, but it has to be staged. And so from my background in IT, I'm familiar with these kinds of challenges of migration from one system to another. Penn Station presently is a zone of compatibility between these systems. There's overhead uh, catenary wires, and there also is third rail, uh, supporting both Long Island Railroad, New Jersey Transit, and Amtrak trains through there. Uh, what we would do is expand the zone of compatibility beyond Penn Station over to Secaucus and north to Port Morris, the Bronx, uh, which is just across from Randall's Island. We would create new rail yards at the edges of these. So for example, a Long Island Railroad tra train that would be going using existing rolling stock would go through Penn Station and could then stop at Secaucus, its final stop, go to a rail yard where all of its power systems are supported and before going back out again. Uh, the same is true with New Jersey Transit in terms of in the reverse direction. So that's the, the quick answer to how we're supporting the existing rolling stock. Once the gateway tunnels are built, there's a need for more New Jersey Transit trains to support the increased service. New Jersey Transit has new trains on order that are their double-deckers that are powered with overhead catenary. It would be very easy to add third rail to those the way the long the Metro North M8 trains support both catenary and third rail. By doing so, you would have a train that could support all areas of the region's rail network, areas with third rail, areas with overhead uh, catenary, and you'd have a vehicle that could support through running, as you suggested earlier, from let's say somewhere like Trenton to White Plains supporting the different the different standards. But those would be only a certain number of the trains. So the existing rolling stock would support what we're calling radial lines that would terminate at the edges of the region, and the new rolling stock would support diametric lines. Moreover, existing New Jersey transit rolling stock supports 
trains that go from anywhere on New Jersey Transit's electrical network to the New Haven line. So those could happen right away without any new purchases. Just to dive into that a little bit more, the way Metro North and Long Island Railroad take third rail are different. So Metro North, the shoe touches the bottom of the third rail, whereas in Long Island Railroad, the shoe touches the top of the third rail. So something would have to be done there to change either the Metro North system or the LIR system to be unified, right? My understanding is that the Long Island Railroad trains and the uh, the Harlem and Hudson Line trains do not support a shoe that is compatible with both standards. However, the M8 trains do support a shoe that is compatible with both standards. This is how the um, the Metro North will be going into Penn Station using Long Island Railroad third rail with Penn Station access. Uh, their catenary uh, voltages do not support the Northeast Corridor 25 hertz standard. They only support 60 hertz in those and third rail. So they're going to be using past the 60 hertz zone. They're going to be using third rail to power into Penn Station using the existing shoes that they have. So therefore the shoes that we would propose for new regional unified rolling stock would be that same Metro North M8 technology that supports both standards. So you've described a number of different proposals, tunneling under the East River to the Bronx for the air train, a new seven train to Secaucus, a new path to Secaucus, a number of other very expensive proposals. Uh, How would this be paid for in, in your vision? Well, I think it's important to parse these things out. So the connection to Secaucus for PATH, uh, we've estimated $100 million. How is that possible? Well, PATH presently goes to Journal Square, where trains terminate. Uh, Journal Square is has right-of-way nearly the entire way to get to Secaucus. So the PATH connection would be very affordable to get to Secaucus. Uh, by building a more modest uh, change to the bus terminal in Manhattan, that budget could be reduced and that money could be used for extending the 7 train to build a much more affordable bus terminal in Secaucus. Affordable doesn't mean less, it just means more bang for the buck. Uh, So we have a limited amount of resources. We have 10 to 20 billion dollars budgeted for the bus terminal. We have $24 billion budgeted for Gateway. This is not nothing. What we're doing is we're using the existing budgets to work within those to create a foundation where the value opportunity for some of the subsequent projects gets increased greatly. How would you envision enacting this plan and getting stakeholders to buy into this regional idea? Well, I think the key thing is let's look at the alternatives. Uh, Let's look at the validity of demolishing an entire block south of Penn Station to create a new terminal when cities all over the world are abandoning terminals for through stations and new tunnels to do that. So we have to ask yourself, why are we different? Why do we need to do that? And so I've seen alternative plans out there to build new tunnels after Penn Station South. So how much will that cost? Presently, Gateway, just to get to New Jersey from Penn Station, is $12 billion. So will it cost another $12 billion 
Do we need to spend that when we can just use the existing infrastructure we have? That's what I see as reckless spending. We need to be much more conservative with how we spend our transportation dollars and really try to get the most bang for the buck in that and not just come up with a narrow single purpose uh, plan. Uh, we need to think about the uh, bus terminal and gateway together, not just lip service to that idea, but let's see how the bus network can be really integrated part of the regional rail network so that you can transfer back and forth between the two easily. That's what our proposal in New Jersey and Bring the Seven does. So I think thinking about transportation, public transportation, as better, a better experience than the car and moving forward with that will create the type of economic opportunities that will pay for these things moving forward. What type of feedback have you heard from, let's say, Port Authority or MTA or Amtrak about your proposals? I'll tell you, we've been doing this for a while and I don't think we could have gotten this far if we weren't given such positive feedback by these agencies. Uh, we have people from the inside of MTA who are in the mid-level ranks, really smart people who are you know, incredibly supportive of what we're doing. Uh, we have people at the top of the MTA who have met with us who are very, very supportive. We've had people at Port Authority who have studied our work are very supportive. Uh, we've talked to very intelligent people at New Jersey Transit who are supportive. We've talked to fantastic people at Amtrak who give us a warm reception even though they disagree with us about Penn Station South. Here's the problem. Each of these agencies have different mandates. They have different people that they answer to. The idea of supporting the region as a whole is not something that they're primarily responsible for. They're not paid for that purpose. And therefore, it's relatively narrow. And our organization has tried to think bigger that. Has there been any response from uh, the leadership and the legislature, governors in either New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut about this? I think in a way politicians have such a variety of interest groups that they have to speak to. Uh, in a way, those are the last people moving forward. And I think it's not, it's not their fault, it's just the nature of their job. So for example, Governor Cuomo, what he talks about is really, really good. He talks about thinking holistically. He really wants to do the right thing. And if you look at what he's done with supporting Move New York now, it took a long time for him to make the judgment that there was the political support there in the legislature and all of that to shepherd that through. No one wins if a governor or a mayor supports a plan and ends up losing. They need to bide their time and do the right thing when it makes sense. And I think they are listening. We've talked to a number of their aides of, um, of Governor Cuomo and as well as uh, people in the city administration and the agencies, and we've gotten a lot of positive feedback. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. It's really been uh, probably one of the best conversations I've had about RUN. You have just listened to the Moving Block Podcast with your host, David Krulowicz. To learn more about Jim Venturi and Rethink Studio, take a look at his website at rethinkstudio.org. 
On their site, there are a number of illustrative maps that simplify some of the complex issues discussed in this pod. Don't forget to subscribe to my pod on iTunes, TuneIn, or SoundCloud. Check me out on Twitter for the latest updates. Comments and show topic suggestions are welcome via email at movingblockpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, see you soon. Thank you.